0: and we're back and you are listening to villain cast bjj antiheroes with myself chris the villain pains weekly podcasts featuring either my fellow black belt naki arshad on our show reap the week or compelling interviews with other personalities across jiu jitsu but first a quick thank you to our members at in theory bjj concept driven jiu jitsu for fight commentary technique and concept videos private coaching Monthly webinars and Q and A sessions. Please visit www.patreon.com slash in theory bjj. This is our third time trying this podcast, Uh <laughs> Robbie. Sorry, man. It's that like you said don't get into podcasting. <laughs> um, it will test you. <laughs> Uh yeah, so we tried this before and it was it was such a good podcast last time. We'd we'd gone for so long and we did like an hour and then it just fell apart. Um mm. but I know my fault. Uh no, no, it's 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 the way the world works. So please, sir, again, introduce yourself. Uh Robbie Scott,
1: soon to be 33 years old, professional MMA fighter of oh Jesus, ten years now. And uh, I was going to say former, but I suppose still current student of uh, Mister Vileo over here. I've going back a while. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, currently living in the Middle East, having been previously based in Warrington, born and bred. And uh, from what I remember, we were discussing how leg locks don't work, and then the internet got angry that I said that, and it abruptly cut us off. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I think we're saying jujitsu doesn't work. Um so yeah, yeah you I think uh, we're talking about so, leg locks in general. Or they
1: or they don't work on you. I remember like last time I was down there, I was trying to crank every leg lock on you and you were basically laughing at me. So I was like, yeah. And apparently the internet didn't like that, so it booted me off. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um
0: so yeah, you are you used to train up at um Wolf when I first met. This is uh this is going back about twenty twelve? Twenty eleven? it depends whenever war started
1: with you because i came down with morg so i think that must be 2010
0: 2011 2010 2011 yeah so morgan yeah. early a uh, very good mutual friend of ours uh, and yeah it must be about 2010 2011 um so you went around. out to q8 when did you Has go out to, to q8 Two thousand so when did you go out to q8 hit,
2: mate Two thousand fifteen was when I. Two thousand fifteen. You've been here. gone almost nine years. Yeah, in April
0: it will be nine years. Yeah, that's insane, isn't it? Yeah, um, uh, that's bonkers. So I think <laughs> one of the things we were talking about last time then is obviously you know you had experience of training in the UK. Um, I mean, you kind of left pretty much at the peak of the tap-out era of UK MMA. Um, and then you disappeared off to Kuwait. Uh So how, how was the MMA scene when you arrived in Q8? Primitive,
1: I think would be the word that I would use immediately. Primitive, mate. It was, uh, there was a lot of gyms over here that called themselves mixed martial arts gyms. But really what that meant was they had, a taekwondo class in the morning and then some form of japanese jiu-jitsu in the evening and they called themselves mma gyms because they happened to specialize in more than one martial art or had more, an instructor in each discipline that happened to teach at different times uh and every time there was an mma event over it, it always ended in a brawl it was like uh it was like uk mma in the early 2000s remember when like cage rage and cage warriors always used to have like scraps in the front row and that kind of shit it was basically that uh, so we're, we're a little bit behind in that regard but since we actually spoke since we initially tried this and my internet decided to shit all over our experience <laughs> we actually had a huge event over it i don't know if i sent this to you because i know we were talking about getting you over here at some point we actually had a huge event over here headlined by Henan uh, hen former uh, ufc champion and one of the special guests was Jose Aldo. Uh, the co-main event was, a, uh, was Honey Marquez, another UFC veteran, and I think he's PFL now or Bellator, I can't remember. Um, so that has happened since we last spoke. So it was basically like a Brazilian invasion. The production quality was out of this world. So comparing that now in uh, the latter end of 2023, compared to when I first got over here, it's night and day. The only thing that needs improving over here is the frequency of events, I would say. Because the quality's there, you know what the Gulf region of the Arabian Peninsula is like. They've all got the uh, they've got the dosh. I would say the production quality's there. The talent level's getting there. They're happy to fly in talent from other countries as well, which always boosts an organization. It just needs to be more frequent now. It sounds like there's one coming up soon. I won't give too much about that away because the intention is uh, this time I fight on it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm hoping that uh, towards the uh, beginning of next year. He'll be back over here as well, and whenever we do an event over here, there's always like special guests. So it's it's where it needs to be, mate. It's getting there, and I don't think it's quite at the stage that Abu Dhabi or Dubai have got it, but it's getting there.
0: So uh, I think is, I remember like uh, the uh, there's a lot of traditional martial arts gyms when MMA was was trying to take off I was getting somewhere you'd have a lot of martial arts gyms uh, who were doing the traditional martial arts. They'd have like Taekwondo and Aikido and Judo and they'd call it mixed martial arts because there was a mix of martial arts. And so they're putting that on the signs like, this is an MMA gym. Like, no, it's not. (laughs) Very different beast. Like you you do Tai Chi and Aikido. This isn't mixed martial arts. Um, Mm. And from there then, so you arrive and there's barely anything. And I think this is one thing we kind of tried to touch on last time is that, you know, obviously it's been quite organic in the in the UK. It's been quite organic. I well, don't know what happened there. It's been quite organic in the that UK. Was, uh, that the was the uh, Android.
1: That was the Android trying to force me into an update right when I'm in the middle of something. This is how great Android phones are. Get Everyone get iPhone. Just get an iPhone. But so much more convenient. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I shit myself then. I absolutely shattered brick then thinking, oh, no, here we go when,
0: again. When it went off <laughs> again, I was like, not again. Not again. Don't do this to us. <laughs> oh, <baby>. um, oh. <laughs> So... Yeah, it so it's up. been quite organic in the UK where we had, it was a slow growth. You know, you had the original kind of arrival of like uh, Maurizio Gomez, Braulio, Roger, and, you know, the Jiu-Jitsu kind of spread out. We had submission Wrestling up in the north. Uh, and then um, MMA, you know, kind of grew out of there. So you had the, you know, yeah. uh, Wall Slayer. You had all the, the gyms around Nottingham and Leicester. You had London Shoot. Um, so you had that time to 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 simmer and then you know mm. we're now we've now we're now getting good mma talent frequently out of the uk you know we've got we've, we're actually getting mm. champions through which is insane yep. but obviously you've been in q nine years and it's gone from almost traditional martial arts gyms cosplaying mm. to now what you're seeing now so How far? Like how? How was that development? How? How did it change in that short space of time? Obviously, you've been in the gyms in that for that entire kind of space. Um, What happened? Like how? How did it change? Like how did the training change? And in uh, in what way? I
1: think once MMA events actually started occurring over here more frequently, that's what got people into it. And then there was. uh, I think what you have to understand as well is that when I first moved here. Conor McGregor hadn't even won his first championship yet like he I remember I moved over here and then a few months later I went and visited home and I stayed up ridiculously late to watch him fight Chad Mendes for the interim title I think that was two, yeah it will be 2015 yeah and that was meant to be Jose Aldo but Jose Aldo got injured right and then I came back over here and then eventually has the match with Jose Aldo so there's a bit of like a, a simmer there was some vague interest around it. Oh, it this Irish guy that no one who's second language English can understand against this Brazilian legend who hasn't ever lost to the UFC and he's held the title in WBC. Oh, who, is, who is this? And of course, Conor McGregor. This was before like the TikTok and the Instagram reels, YouTube shorts generation, but people would find clips of Conor McGregor talking the way he used to talk. And they'd be like, oh. you know, it's kind of like a, almost like a modern day Muhammad Ali with a bit of a funky accent. And then the fight happens in like an amalgamation, and it only lasts thirteen seconds, and it's literally just one punch and it's done. After that, the boom was one hundred percent real. And then fast forward a little bit, and you've got the something else that we were talking about before we got rudely interrupted by the internet last time as well was the emergence of uh, the Dagestani's and the, the the you know the Muslim wrestlers from Russia, like those southern areas of Russia, who just absolutely dominate in grappling. And then of course the Khabib versus connor thing all erupted, and it was all like you know there was a bit of like religious and racial tension in there as well. So everyone, even people at like the uh, I call them the WhatsApp aunties group, like you know like middle ages, like the older women who just send memes on WhatsApp because they think that's what the kids do. Even those kind of people were sending me videos of Khabib after the weigh-in, just shouting Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, because uh, everyone knows what that is over here, like praise be to God. And I'm like, how do you know who Khabib is? You're like a 60-year-old woman who doesn't even watch like sports. How do you even know? I mean, it's all over social media. So I think from that point on, and that was after the Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor thing as well, I think it just became inescapable. I mean, he has, say what you want about Conor, depending on which side of the, you know, which side of the line you land on. He has been absolutely monumental in the global growth of the sport. Um, And because Khabib dominated him in such a way that was very grappling heavy, I think everyone was like, okay, yeah, usually Conor McGregor knocks everyone out, but now you've got this big Russian Muslim guy who's just ragdolling him to the ground and tying him up in knots and pinning his arm behind his back and going behind him and wrapping his neck up with his arms and stuff. And I think if it wasn't already in the public limelight at that stage, I think after that fight, so that's uh, the latter end of 2018, isn't it? I think after that, people were like, oh, so there really is, if you hadn't been in the UFC one day where Hoyce Gracie beat the guy wearing one boxing glove, I think if you were uh, a layman at that point and you saw that fight, and you just saw this, someone who was considered the most lethal striker in the UFC at that time, just dominated by this guy who just basically bulldog rushes him, takes him down and chokes him out. If, if your eyes weren't open to the art of grappling before that fight, I think that's probably what did it because now even I mean that, I mean Khabib's been retired like three years nearly even now in MMA gyms people still quote Khabib you go into an MMA gym and it could, it could be Arabs it could be Russians it could be Iranians it could be Europeans Americans you will hear someone say if we're in like a wrestling exchange someone
2: will say they come for smash this guy people do it people still say that now so if that doesn't show you how like in retrospect,
1: how important that fight was for the exposure of grappling and the fact that it's still relevant now as well as it was in UFC 1 when Hoist Gracie was taking down all these martial artists and doing all these crazy things with them. It's just yeah, I I think that's been I think that was the big part of it because I don't think you can credit it to things like Bellator and PFL or anything like that. I think it was those fights, those big marquee fights that have brought it into the public attention, especially over here
0: well i think as well when it comes to like i think you know i really enjoyed it when you said it last time was the idea that you know in the west you know connor you know better or worse is is idolized um Mm. even though he got you know done over by khabib and he you know i have not been on that hype train um but then like i said with with habib being part of the muslim world and you living in kuwait Mm. the fact that you know i think you remember seeing you last time is that there was the amount of wrestling and grappling that then suddenly started to take over the oh yeah gyms um that was that was really like impressed me um i also find that i think we said this before is that jujitsu hasn't and i to be fair i i you know, semi-joke about this is that jujitsu is mostly irrelevant in in an MMA world. And it's because we for the most part jujitsu trains wrong. In that, you know, we yeah. we it's a very cosplay cosplay as a warrior sport these days. You know, jujitsu yeah. used to feed into MMA very easily. Uh now it does not. I mean you know we we absolutely see submissions in mma but mm. not in a jujitsu way as in you have submission wrestling you have people dominating with wrestling and then applying submissions um mm. which unfortunately is is the way it is so that's why i was kind of interested in the idea that you know you said that wrestling is getting big over there but then the application of wrestling with submissions like uh, that's going to be some interesting stuff and as well like okay there hasn't been much out of Kuwait and the Middle East yet. But this is one of those other things that I remember I was having a conversation with someone about this is that uh, I think it was John Hand over at Horizon in Stoke, um, is he said that, you know, you've got to consider that most gyms to put like someone at Worlds or, you know, to put someone to black belt and to be well known at black belt, you think you've got to have A, the right people coming into the gym who can be self funded and train all the goddamn time and be funded to go out and travel and, and compete. Um yeah. also I think how many years it takes to get someone from the door up to that. And if you're a new club, which obviously like you say, you know, the MMA scene in QA is is nine years old at this point essentially. Um yeah. getting you know, getting the establishment, getting the training practices in place to then get someone through the door who matches that criteria, to then train them up enough that they can go and compete on a world stage, like yeah, it's gonna it's you know, probably gonna be a couple of years yet. But that, I think that's why you're now seeing such a Dagestani influx Chechen um pretty much that entire neck of the woods uh I was over in Georgia uh, uh September and man what what a what a wild place to sit some sit a uh set a country surrounded by judo wrestling you know they've got their own as well mm. and it's like oh this is a yep. this is a tough part of the world And um so you are saying last time that you get quite a large influx in the OGMs like, you know, from Dagestanis, Iranians. Uh, who oh, yeah, kind of,
1: especially the Iranians, Yeah, especially the Iranis. But the other thing as well, I mean, we funnily enough, we do still have, there's a guy I tr- I've i started training with a lot recently. Um I think he's only like 25 or 26, and he's recently just got his black belt in jiu-jitsu. I think it was even today. Yeah, it was
2: today because I sent him a congratulation message. And he's absolutely... Uh, Match starts, high five, fist bump, sits down. Just sits on his ass. He's got no interest in doing MMA. He's still one of those guys. He sits in butterfly guard and just, he doesn't even look at you. He just goes like that. And just waits for you to go for him. And and like, less than two minutes later, you're in
1: some kind of like calf crank or bicep cutter or something like that. Like this guy's dangerous. Like and he trains like six times a day. Um, Akhil. By the way, if you are watching this, that's a shout out to you. By the way, congratulations on your black belt. Um. So, and he and well, there's guys like this who aren't really top, top pressure heavy wrestlers. They are there are still those guys who literally, just, you know, remember that Simpson sketch like maybe ten years ago that <laughs> said, uh, yeah, climb on top of me and meet your doom." We still we still have some of those guys over here, and I tell you what, they go to the uh, the ADCC, which is here in Abu Dhabi, just a uh, stone throw away, and dude, they win. They do actually win. There are some guys who just are able to sit on their ass, allow someone to climb into some kind of De La heaver butterfly, tornado, garb, whatever they've got. And they do, they end up pulling something out. Does that work when punches are involved? You know, that's where we can get, set the discussion a little bit deeper. But that, that does happen as well. There's a lot of black belts over here. We've even got some uh, Brazilian guys who are here permanently now, are permanently situated over here. They've got their own gym. That's where most of my work gets done now and the two main coaches one of them's just gone back to brazil for a bit one of them's a very top heavy pressure kind of guy very stocky and strong and the other guy is like tall skinny strong as well he he high fives fist bumps and sits down and just waits for you to come to him so there is still that, that variety of styles here um when people are around both styles they're going to adapt whatever works for them i do it sometimes if i'm feeling lazy and i go for that whole all right i use your mentality of all right i'll just while I'm warming up, as long as I don't get caught in something stupid, I'm going to stick my elbows in my hips <laughs> and just see how long I can survive before I catch something. But we all do it. We, we all we all kind of do it in a way. But I think in MMA, like we are at that stage where I mean, it's always, it's always kind of been this way, but it's exemplified now. Like if you're on the bottom, you're losing because your punches are never going to generate the force that the guy on top's punches can generate. So oh, John how- John Danaher spoke about that as well.
0: How do is there much um how do these people do against like these wrestlers that are coming in? Uh or is there actually any cross training or do they just avoid each other?
1: I think it's too individual to really sum it up in a sentence like that right. because everyone's got their own style. We have we have got a lot of guys who come from uh traditional karate and uh judo guys as well. Uh, there's one guy I fought over here who was Kuwaiti. It was my second fight in kuwait and my third professional fight overall and he was a black belt in jiu-jitsu and a black belt in judo so my plan the whole time was keep this shit on the feet i'm going to use wrestling reverse and keep it on the feet and within a minute he judo threw me he he literally like he was either uchigari or uchimata one of the two and he flipped me i landed right on my back and then i'm on the bottom And i was like oh shit i'm here already like and It wasn't a panic situation, but I started to kind of think like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, that black belt does mean something. But then the second time he attempted it, and what's the big problem with judo guys? When they want to execute a really cool takedown, generally they give the back. So the second time he attempted it, I ended up jumping on him and uh, I really naked choked him, imagine, and he was a black belt in judo and jiu-jitsu. Don't know who got the black belts from, but case in point being, I don't think most people, especially now, Even if if you go to an open mat anywhere in the country, how many people try and judo throw you without the fear of getting the back taken by you? Not many. But for Mm -hmm. him, that was the thing that he liked and that obviously worked for him up to that point. Then you've got other guys who the first thing they're thinking is, as soon as I do the high five and fist bump, I'm diving on double leg. But I'm only thinking about that double leg, the Turkish turn, the turn the corner, getting inside control and pressuring. And then you're gonna find other guys who, who are just happy to high five, fist bump, and sit on their ass. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a there's a trend particularly. I suppose it's just what works for you. But I I still think generally the theme would be like most people prefer to be on the top. They feel a lot a lot less stressed when they feel like they're in some kind of dominant position, even when there's no strikes involved. So I don't know if there is a trend really because there's that many guys that I've rolled with now that are from so many different backgrounds. It, I'd be, it'd be a miss for me to say that they all do the same thing. They all, they all generally have their own style over here and sometimes their former background of martial arts can influence them. Like mine, like with me being someone to catch a lesson when I was around the Midlands, when I was training with you guys, like I'm learning all these like, Crazy chicken wing submissions and the leg locks. You know, you know every. I don't know who's still there from when I was there, but you know, I remember on the uh, the Facebook page, everyone was saying, "Does Rob still leg lock everybody?" <laughs> so I and I still do that now, and to my sometimes to my detriment, but you know, old habits die hard, don't they? You know.
0: No, no, I understand that. Um I think the only person still around from your uh, from your days is Morgan, Uh because no, the next Jesus. the next one. Uh, longest is Knack, who's 2015, and you and you're gone by then. So, yeah, pretty much. But that's, that's Jiu-Jitsu. It's the generations of Jiu-Jitsu, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. You keep some, you lose most. Um, and so, how is training then? They say there's there's a a large number of people who are just pulling scum. Uh, and then you've got other people who are, you know, monstrous Eastern European Caucasus region wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, th- does that influence how training is? Uh, since you've got animals around people who just want to choke and chill.
2: Definitely, when the strikes involved, it makes a big difference. But in just regular grappling, uh can I word it? Yeah,
1: I'd say the two things that affect it the most, depending on which gym I'm in, because I don't train in just one gym. I, I, I go all over the place now. I've got one gym for my strength and conditioning, one for my grappling, one for my striking, and another I go to to do all the MMA. So I'm bouncing around. I'm a bit of a gym whore over here. you know. I'm, 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 thankfully, my coach is all right with it as long as I, I make sure I give them uh, most of the credit. Um, it depends on the scenario, like and especially, especially if there's a wall or a cage involved, because all of a sudden now, the rules of wrestling just completely go on the head. Like, die for a guillotine, oops, no, bad idea, you know. It doesn't work, your back's against a cage and you're getting smashed, but do that in the middle of an open mat where there's no surfaces around you to pin, pin against and use to get back up. It changes things completely. So I'd still say the training is more generally based on try and get on top, but you will find the occasional... Uh, guard pulling scum that you just previously mentioned, but the guys who are really good are really good, like on on par, if not some better than some of the guys that I've rolled within the UK. Not a, not a, overall, I'd still say like gun to the head scenario. I'd say the UK levels a little higher, but in terms of like the pure martial art, like the pure jujitsu, maybe here. But then I don't I don't go to that many jujitsu gyms in the UK except for yours. I only go to the MMA gyms, so it's hard to compare really, but. Some of them, the guys who take it seriously are, like, serious, serious. That guy that I just mentioned before, he's literally in the gym, and I'm I'm generally not exaggerating. He's in there six times a day, like wakes up at 3 a.m. and and trains, like, every couple of hours. The dude's a freak. And he, I know, I know, I know, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) I I told him, I told him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if he keeps winning, why is he going to listen to me? (laughs) What am I supposed to do?
0: that's fair i mean to be fair i'm always up at about four or five and i'm then heading off into the gym for stupid reasons um (laughs) so it's unavoidable i think when you get to black belt you just end up training Mm. all the time um one thing we also talked about then last time we were talking on the podcast is about women training in mma and jiu-jitsu is there a large uh contingent of female fighters um, which again, like I think, I think the interesting thing about you know the chart we had last time, and obviously you know trying to peel it out again this time, is that most people, you know, the the jujitsu and the fighting world kind of stops in Eastern Europe and then restarts mm-hmm. again in the Far East, and the whole of the Middle East is kind of forgotten, Um and so no, like you say, it was interesting. The almost like a little window into. Uh, how the world is out there. So, how many is there? Is there a large contingent of female fighters, and does that change country to country? I mean, is Kuwait more open to it, or some countries like not happening? Uh, you tell me. I, I I can't remember what I said last time.
2: Honestly, and this might be a shocking answer. I don't think I said this last time.
1: I'd say Kuwait has got the largest contingent of female fighters, actually, in terms of who's a professional. I mean, uh, I remember one of the tidbits I told you, I'll I'll shout another girl out now. Um, She's the only professional female fighter who wears the hijab to competition, the, uh, the hair covering. Due to religious purposes, and it's like uh, I think it's almost like wetsuit material. Like, like so, if she does get punched, it's not just going to slip off. I did see a female fight here um, for one of my professional fights on the undercard, and literally a referee had to jump in every twenty seconds because the girl's um, head covering was slipping off every time she got hit. Uh, but now this girl that uh, I've trained with a lot, she's uh, I think she's in UAE Warriors now, but she goes and trains in London with Brad Pickett and all those guys. She's the, yeah, she's the only professional female fighting athlete who actually wears the hijab in competition representing Islam and Kuwait. So uh, I think she's kind of like spearheading the whole movement towards females doing it now. And in my Muay Thai gym, there's a, there's a, there's a large group of females who are getting a lot better and improving. So uh, shout out Fight Club Kuwait, by the way. Um, yeah, so I'd, and I've been to all the surrounding countries. The only one I've not been to is Iraq and Oman. They're the only ones I've not been to. I've been to all the others. In terms of all the gyms that I've seen, I'd say in terms of like percentage of females, I'd say Kuwait's the highest. And in terms of Kuwait, um, percentage of females that actually take it seriously and would submit themselves into competition, I would also say Kuwait,
2: again, 100%.
0: Um,
2: do the men and women train together, or is there separate classes? Both. There's separate and
1: um, all together, oh, okay. yeah. Mm. right
0: okay that's I gotta yeah, be honest uh... when I first
1: arrived here when I first arrived here like no you, I wouldn't you wouldn't find a girl like especially Nogi like girls in Nogi generally that was a no-no but now I think it's kind of accepted that. look and I've seen interviews about this as well I think it might have been Firas Sahabi uh, one of GSP's all training partners I think and he said like you know, due to my beliefs and my respect for the religion of Islam, I won't roll with women. Ooh, sorry if that makes you better than me because I won't roll with a woman. And I heard it, I was like, this is interesting because I get it and I don't. <laughs> like, me, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for all men or all women or whatever, but the last thing going through my mind during uh, a fight scenario is something inappropriate between a man and a woman. Or otherwise.
2: Like, Fahaz said that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He did oh. it. I, I heard an interview with him and he said that I personally don't roll with women. I don't know if, I can't remember oh. if he specifically said it was due to religious beliefs, but he said, I don't personally right. roll with our coach. But if, if a woman asks me to roll, I won't do it. And then he said, "Oh, sorry if that makes you better than me. And he did that kind of like cocky thing at the end there. And I was like, that, that, I mean, look, again, I can only speak for myself, but the last thing I'm thinking is anything like that when I'm rolling. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the fight. You know, it's just another... It's, it's just another human that I'm interacting with in terms of like we're at, we're trying to break each other's limbs and choke each other's necks. Like, this isn't the, the less we say about that, the better. But point being, yes, most jiu-jitsu gyms I go to over here has females rolling with males, and no one's going. hmm. So that, that's the that's the short answer to that question. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna have to fact check that. That's that surprised me. I'm going uh, let me is, let me, let me find it. I'll send well, it. I need me find a a it. Joe Rogan. You. Uh, like Jamie, just like somewhere, like Jamie, pull it up. Uh, otherwise, I might just use, use my right hand, like sock puppet it. Like Jamie, put it up, and just yeah. like, be dicking with the mic, like the, the the mouse over here, and just typing shit in. Um, I've, I've got another phone here. I can search it if you want. I'll send it you. No, really, no, no, really, no, no. You could share I'll, it. I'll, I'll I'll maybe put it in as a an epilogue to this when we're done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that's really interesting because obviously you know. Yeah, you know, going back to when we were first starting in this, what, 12? You know, I've been in it for 15 years now. And I remember the, the, the earlier competitions in the UK, if there was a female grappler involved, you know, unless it was some of the bigger competitions in some of the bigger cities, like they were just jumping in the men's divisions. Uh, and so mm. the idea, again, like that, again, you wouldn't expect it in a Muslim country, you know, through – uh i said religious reasons uh for them to have such a growing female fight scene that much that quickly i mean it's taken the uk time to get involved in this and for it to to pick up so fast in kuwait it's like oh Mm. that's new that's interesting um Mm.
2: again i think one of the things we also talked about so What is there more of, gi or no gi, would you say, or do you think you're exposed to? In general, gi, unfortunately. There's more gi? i stick that in there because I know, but
1: I'd say so, yeah, to be honest. I mean, I'm very specific with, I'm very, you know, um, I'm very picky with where I choose to trade due to the, the level and the ability of the guys. But particularly right now, the gym that I go to specializes in both, but the timers that I go to are no gi. Uh, especially the morning sessions. Morning sessions are generally the no gi, and then the gi comes in later. Um, so I don't attend enough gi classes to really like make an accurate assessment on it. But yeah, but but mostly I, I go to the no gi. But I'd still say if you go, if you walk in, if you just by chance happen to walk into a random jujitsu gym over here, the chances are they'd be wearing the pajamas. I'd say. Is
0: that because so you know talk about this idea that the this scene has grown as fast as it has and there's an implication that money has been involved for it to grow that fast you know the uk didn't grow that fast there wasn't as much money pouring into martial arts shall we say and it you know mm. had a more organic growth to it shall we um for what of a better better word uh mm. kuwait has different money than we do um and obviously you could bring that's in talent. In. There wasn't much homegrown talent. That's why you are there. <laughs> there yeah, wasn't that exactly. much homegrown talent. Um yeah and homegrown stars, etc. So, you know, you had to bring people in. Um, do you think that's why then, you know, being so close to UAE, Abu Dhabi, and you know, the 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 big thing they've got of jujitsu as well. Do you think that's why Ghee has such a stronger hold? Um because obviously you just had the money to bring in Brazilians. And do you think there will be a change more towards Nogi due to Khabib and the other Dagestanis who are making so many waves? Like is, is that Makachev? There's there's someone up at the top. Um there's Kamza, oh. there's uh the guys at the weekend, I've got his name by now. Um yeah, it's it's so huge right now. Um, do you think there'll be a, a shift? Do you, are you seeing a shift, or do you think there will be a shift? Um, I think it's already no, happened. I some... think it's already happened. Okay. In in terms of like people, who, especially the ones who want to transition
1: into MMA and fighting, yeah, yeah, for sure, <laughs> that's definitely already happened. Yeah, but the ones who are just spe- uh, specifically interested in learning the the grappling, I'd say they're probably going to end up sticking to the gi anyway. Um, I think. What do I think? <laughs> I think, I suppose it's because of the tradition that goes with it. Like, because when jiu-jitsu guys first started taking off the gi, you probably remember that. That was, a, that was considered an abomination by the traditionalists. The Gracie's hated it when people started taking off the gi, you know? Even in, uh, you know, the early days of the UFC and Pride, like, people still fought in the gi with the MMA gloves. It was wild. Um even, um, I mean, it's not really recent now, but it feels recent just because of how significant it is, when uh, Eddie Bravo rematched Hoyler in Polaris. You remember that?
0: And there was still... Uh, that a- was Metamorris, and that would be about oh, 10 years ago, I think. Jesus, it wasn't, was it? Oh,
1: Metamorris won, Polaris. I think it is. Metamorris? Oh, I said Polaris, yeah, well, didn't
0: I? Polaris. Yeah, Metamorris is his... Baby, Uh, I think. But I remember there being an argument about the rules. Like, Hoyler
1: was desperate for for, to at least be gee pants involved. I remember that being a big thing on the internet at the time. Um, I'm sure that wouldn't happen now. But in the grand scheme of things, considering that the Gracies, like Helio and all those guys, go back to the early 1900s. The fact that in 20... Let's say that was 2013, 14, 15, 16, something like that the fact that that was still getting discussed like there's an argument it's like when when boxers argue over what size gloves they're gonna uh, fight in and what brand they're gonna be and then they send the corners in to check that they've wrapped their hands a certain way is it it's very reminiscent of that like we're arguing about pants this is what we're doing right now so apparently to some people it still matters in a way and i i've got to admit i don't like it either like um Maybe it's preference or maybe it's my ego trying to make excuses for why I lose certain positions or I can't get out of certain submissions. Like when a, when a no-gi guy pulls an armbar on me, for example, it might just be stubbornness or it might just be sweat. I don't really feel that threatened by it because I feel like as long as I can get the elbow somewhere near your hips, I've got a way of squeezing out of it. If a guy is wearing gi pants uh, I, I, and I'm not allowed to grab his gi pants because I'm a no-gi guy, I don't I, I know if I look for ways out or I start making excuses, but I'm like, in my head, I'm having that conversation with myself, saying, "You fucking, you wouldn't have got that if you weren't wearing those bloody pants." And I, I've had that conversation with myself a few times. Oh, no. if you were just in noggie, if you if you were in shorts or spats or tights or something, there's no way you'd have got that armbar. You know, I do that with myself, so that, and I know
0: I do it. <laughs> My yeah. old uh, Lutelivre coach, uh, what he used to do, like he used to wear gi pants and wrestling boots, um, and do leg locks. And his his <laughs> idea? Oh well, no, no, the very very like smart reasoning is he said that if I can get out uh, of um, a heel hook whilst in wrestling boots and gi pants, I really fucking am getting out of it in no gi. He mm, like, makes you, basically makes himself point. makes his good life point. hard. Like if I can get out of you heel hooking me whilst I'm in gi pants and wrestling boots, and you're gonna lock me the fuck up, like, there's no mm. way you're gonna hold on to me where I'm sweaty and just in shorts. Um i like the idea i think that's why morgan still does it uh (laughs) so yeah i do i do kind of get that like you know if you if you become reliant on sweat you don't always have it at your disposal but if you can escape with whilst you know covered in thick fabric and wrestling boots like you're going to escape Mm. out of anything i think now it's getting to winter here i think i may actually start wearing i'm going to start wearing the gi pants and wrestling boots and here hooks are on the table um well, you need how to in that gym, mate. If you're, still, if you're still going to fight and fit in stone,
1: you need those bloody boots and pants, mate. That, that gym is, is haunted because of how cold it, it was, is, I
0: swear. It was minus two the other day. And it was a bit grim. Uh, it was geek gi- <laughs> and now it's going to be ski gi- and wrestling boots. Um, so how is like, how does the heat affect you training out there? I imagine it gets pretty warm.
1: Everywhere has got an industri- industrial-sized air conditioner attached to it, even like the oh, public toilets well, that are the of the beach. So it's fine.
2: But uh,
1: let's just say uh, if, if they want to piss us off, they will switch it off. There was one time, uh, the first year that I moved here, there was an open mat in uh, an area right next to the center of the city. Um, it was on um, a commercial gym. But all it was, and this is how primitive MMA was when I first moved here, it was basically, um, I don't even want to call it a a tent. It was like a gazebo on the roof of a a big um, gym. And it had air conditioning units in it. And I mean like shitty little ones that do this like every five seconds and kind of just smush the air around but don't really do anything. Lower the humidity a little bit. I believe that was July. And I believe that even when the sun went down, it was about... 50 degrees. Yeah, that was 550, five not 1550. Mate, we were in that place for a couple of hours. We, we didn't, we couldn't even speak to each other when we left. Like we weren't even having conversations. We were just kind of like sat looking at the ground, just contemplating what what had gone wrong in our life that had all come to this. Like that was a that was a brutal time. uh That doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> but what I will say is it makes weight cuts very easy. I really like weight cutting over here because yeah, there's no need for saunas or steam rooms.
0: Just walk outside and stay there. Um, yeah, just go outside just, in the hoodie and you've done it. Just that's it. Just turn your aircon off. Yeah, that'll, that'll exactly that'll do you over. Um, so, are you coming back to the UK soon, or am I going to see you when I come to Kuwait? 8 uh,
1: I, was supposed to, I mean, I did get offered a fight in Manchester recently, but I, had, I got it on like a week's notice, so it wasn't really feasible. Uh, but if not the beginning of
2: 2024, then I guess it's when you come and visit, mate.
0: Oh, well, I am... Um, dude, I'm booked up to like almost April now, like pretty solidly as well. I don't think I, I had like one slot left in February for four days and that, then that's it uh, up until end of March um, so it will be I will i don't know if you'll have a fight over here or it'll be the point where I finally get out to Kuwait and, and come train with some monsters uh, either or really either or um, we'll hopefully get another fight over here it has been a while I mean, when's that, when was that fight you had over here? It would be
1: twenty twenty two. I the one that you cornered me in was the end of twenty twenty one, and the one that Naki cornered me in was in twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's been that long.
1: Yeah, wait, no, wait, the, the wait. fight the Fight scene's been rough, mate. I tell you. Really oh dude yeah i posted right. it on my instagram recently it was um it was a flashback to exactly two years ago it was two years ago yesterday that you were in my corner and uh i was like
0: that's insane. maybe 10 sec-
1: 10 seconds away from or maybe two rounds away if it allowed us to go five rounds i'm still a bit pissed off about that i could have done another five rounds uh the fact that yeah right at the end of that fight it was like when i was coming alive and i was starting to like Batter him every time they got into a striking exchange, and then you know at the end of the third round, that was the end of the fight. But oh, mate, I wish that would have been five rounds because I think I would have had a belt by now.
0: I can't believe it's been that long. Like mm. time is a flat circle, dude, and I have no idea how it works. Um, no, it's rough, mate. It has. <laughs> um, hopefully, then. So, have you got another fight in Q8 soon? You say, or early, early twenty twenty four. Not sure what I'm allowed to say um, <laughs>
1: because nothing's been no. announced, but let's no. just say the. So, in terms of uh, I was actually meant to be on the last one. So, there was a, a lot of things are political over here. And again, I can't get too much into it. But in terms of what happened in October, was it October or November? I think it was November when uh, that big MMA tournament that I just told you about was over here with uh, Jose Aldo and Henan Barrow and all those guys. I was I was you can imagine I was clambering to get on that and I was like dude that's like literally a 15 minute drive from me how can you not put me on that card but didn't know the right person at the right time to get me in at the right person with white right fight all this stuff and then I get again okay, I won't say anyone's names because again it's quite close to the situation but then I get a call from my coach a couple of weeks before the event and at this point I stay in shape anyway I never let myself get out of shape but I'd resigned myself to the idea that Chances are I'm not going to be on this event. The chances are that I'm not going to be on this event. And, you know, because they're flying in all these royalty from Brazil. There were guys from the Dominican Republic, Costa Rica, America, um, Jordan, Emirates. All these guys had flown in to see it. They had a British commentator on there and everything. So it was a big deal. So I'd already resigned myself to the idea that I won't be fighting. I'm not going to be competing on this one. But then I get a call two weeks before the event and my coach says, Can you fight? Yes or no? And I just absolutely said yes, didn't even blink. And he goes, "All right, we're hearing word that one of the guys who's on the card, there's a chance he won't make weight because he's like thirty pounds over the limit right now, and he's only got two weeks to go." And I was like, All right, "Well, it's doable, but okay. No, I mean, I'm ready anyway. I never, Damn. I never let myself get heavy." Yeah, I know, mate. I know, but they, they, they do some stupid things then, and they don't. And so weight got, um, and then a week before the fight, it was like the Kimbo slice treatment on the Ultimate Fighter, like, oh, Robbie, you're in. Oh, Robbie, I hope you're ready. Oh, Robbie, this is your shot. Like, like giving me these little nudges everywhere, but I was trying not to get my hopes up. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's looking this way. So like, oh, we'll, we'll let you know, we'll let you know. And then I believe I got the call on the Tuesday and the fight was on the Saturday. And I was around, I was only about maybe four kilos over the weight limit, so for me, that's not a lot. I get a call from my coach and it says, and he says, uh, yeah, I think we've got your fight. I was like, okay, great. And a few opponents had been sent to me at this point, but, but ne- never materialized. And he said, are you ready? Because it's looking like that fight's off. And I was like, yeah, great, I'll jump in. No problem. What I didn't realize is they, the guy who was supposed to be fighting against the guy who was too heavy uh, got his visa denied. So I thought I was going to be fighting him. And then they said, no, 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 you're going to fight the guy who's 30 pounds overweight and probably isn't going to make the weight. I then find out that that guy's one of my close friends over here. So I was like, well, I'm not accepting the fight until I've spoken to him. And then he basically said, I won't share all the details of the phone call, but long story short, um, I'm not going to be able to make the weight. Would you be happy to jump up? And I was like, jump up to what? Wait, What are we talking here? I promised my coach that I wasn't going to start dipping around in these heavyweight classes again. And but again, without saying the exact number, it was basically two weight classes above where I fought last time. So instead of me fighting a featherweight, it would have been closer to welterweight. I am not a welterweight, dude. Like, I know my limits. I know what I'm capable of. I know I'm strong and I know I'm good. I know but I do not belong anywhere near the welterweight limit or even one, two, three kilos shy of that. I'm a six-six kilo fighter. I'm not fighting over at 77. So at that point, I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> and you know me. You know me. There's, no, there's not a lot I say no to when it comes to throwing uh, fisticuffs with folks. So uh, yeah, very long-winded story there, but that was the situation behind the last event because so many people, when they heard about the fact that there was a big MMA event in Kuwait, they were like, and you weren't on it. So then I have to tell that story multiple times. So I've gotten quite good at it now. But the word on the street is that it's going to be early next year. And I can't say the exact date or month. But word is it's going to be next year. And I've, I've got it on good authority that I'm a shoe in. So I'm just ticking over and staying ready, mate. Even if something came up on short notice uh, before Christmas or just after Christmas, I'd still probably take it. You know what I'm like.
0: No, no, I understand that and. Uh... But it sounds things with the the money influx and the the interest that's kind of generating out there. It sounds like these MMA MMA events are getting pretty big, um, and hopefully, like I say if if, it, if the timing's right, maybe I'll end up over there and uh, be sitting uh, ringside with you again. Who knows? Oh, man, that'd be quality. weird, that'd weird, be quality. weird things have happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you for your time. I know it's 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 getting late for you, and and it's. And if it's getting late for me, it's definitely late for you, because it was, must be past midnight by now. Half midnight? Yep. Yep.
1: Twenty past midnight, mate. It's already D-
0: there. Damn. Thank you for staying up, dude, and uh <laughs> having a chat. I like, uh, I'm, like, I'm I'm glad we've actually managed to get it to work, and I'm glad we actually got to the point where this isn't gonna crash. I'm like, oh my god, we get to actually upload this now. It's it's survived. Touch um, wood. Touch wood. <laughs> yes. Hopefully, like I said, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get you back uh, to talk and, you know, once you had your fight in the new year and see how things go. So, uh, I, what I will do. So, I will put your Instagram handle and stuff like that on the description for this video, so anyone wants to go check we out Robbie you. on Instagram, come say hello to him and uh, ask him questions about the Q80 fight scene because it sounds like it's uh, starting to explode a little bit. Um, Going places, you man. Going places. Cheers, Are mate, you coming YouTube. back home for Christmas?
1: I'm not. That's a negative. No, no. I'm going to be oh. around. Uh, I'm going to. Be, I think I'm going to be dipping off to Bahrain in a few uh, in a week or two. But no,
0: not UK shores, mate. No. Oh well. Wow. Oh well. Wow. Mm. We'll have a Christmas without you. Um, yeah. Well, got either way, was... another one. <laughs> another one. Yeah, He's not that. That day. Um the ninth in a row. <laughs> the ninth in a row. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's not that often. Uh, well, i us say if you yeah. get an MMA fight over here, let me know. Otherwise, I'll see you in Kuwait, sir.
2: It is open, mate. Let's see how it goes. Take care, dude. Nice one, mate. Ta-ra. Cheers.